You're listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Hey everyone, just a quick reminder that if you're going to be making any purchases on Amazon.com, Amazon.ca, or Zazzle.com, please go to www.9to5.cc first and click the links in the sidebar or at the bottom of the page to support the site. It makes no difference to you, but it really helps us out a lot. Enjoy the show. Thanks. Welcome everybody to the 9to5 Entertainment System. With me as always is John and Scott. Just kidding, they're not with me always. What do we talk about? John. This is episode 100, the real 100. We talk about Wing Commander, Galaxy on Fire, and Palladium. Then we talk about the Displacer Beast eating a poison pig. Good, yeah. good stuff. Then uh, we take it down a notch and talk about the death of David Bowie and Alan Rickman. And I feel like a couple of other celebrities were not written down here. We move on to movies like The Revenant. And then we talk about economics. And then we talk about The Hateful Eight and Creed. <laughs> uh, we talk about Making a Murderer and Dear Zachary. And then The Red Army and Last Gladiators. And then we tell the ballad of John Scott, NHL player. But really, though, stay tuned for that economic advice, man. You will oh, yeah, it's thank great. us for it later. 9 to 5 Entertainment System, everybody. The future starts here. So it's a great thing to open up on, Steve being extra sensitive about his couch. Well, I have a big white leather couch, John. It's a strange purchase. <laughs> I did it anyway. Uh-huh. Now, then I created a scenario where my friends will sit on it with pens. So I don't know why. We talked about Wing Commander, yeah. and you talked about Maniac. Yes. In Wing Commander 3 and 4 for okay. the PlayStation. If anyone yeah. wants to jump into this conversation, we're talking about the Wing Commander video game, not the Wing Commander film. Yeah, fuck that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Was Maniac in the movie? Yeah, he was. Matthew Lillard played Maniac. It was the only good thing about the movie. Well, he was the only bad thing about the video game. You're like going off on a starter mission. Why not, Maniac? Just fire fucking all six of your missiles into a corner. All right. So there was uh, three and four were filmed with actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill. Malcolm McDowell. John Rice davies Mm -hmm. Catface. Catface. There were people playing the Killrafts who I don't think were like real actors. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was a, there was a Kilrathian in that game, Hobbs. Yeah. Um, and Maniac was in it. Right. And I just, I was like, I remember Maniac in it, but I didn't remember who played him. Okay. Who played him? Tom Wilson, your favorite jackass, the same guy who played Biff Tannen. No shit. Really? <laughs> it's like, nice. Maniac, get back here. Son of a bitch. I hate that guy. <laughs> hey, I'm going to go off and do this by myself. <laughs> Maniac's been exploded. <laughs> Yeah. Was he like knocking on the head and being like, hello, anybody home? And like, God damn it, man. <laughs> Make like a tree and get out of here. <laughs> yeah, so, so I looked that up. I was yeah. like, the, oh, reason, yeah. the reason, listeners, fair listeners, that we're talking mm. about this is Scott's actually, in a very long, rambling way, recommending a phone game, I understand. <laughs> yeah, I just found a, a nice like space fighter sim right. called Galaxy on Fire. Huh. And uh, Is the galaxy actually on fire? No, you're a mercenary who's like, selling your services out to either side and or a group of neutral aliens to huh. do missions to like fight pirates or destroy asteroids or escort. <coughs> right. Man, I did an escort mission. It was four minutes long. It was one guy who attacked in the first 10 seconds. I was like, this is, this is a sim. And that was it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this well, is a simulation of an escort. I mission. guess if the missions are like procedurally generated, then every now and again, you're going to get one of those. Yeah. Like you're just, there was I, d- I didn't hate it. I was just like, man, I'm just this is boring. Slowly following this transport cargo ship. Uh-huh. 
I remember um, playing the Robotech Palladium RPG with my brother, mm-hmm. and every now and then when he was like really just completely like tapped for ideas or whatever, he would just do like routine patrol, like randomly generated encounters, like because mm-hmm. the, the Palladium books had rules for that or whatever. Right. And it was like, so we're just like running through the randomly generated rules, and we're all like a squadron of like four or five Veritex, just a random non-story mission whatsoever. And it was like, I think it was. Two battle pods and three science battle pods. And, like, a science battle pod only had a laser that did 1d4 damage, right? And, like, okay. 1d4 mega damage. And Veritex had hundreds of mega damage. So it was, like, two battle pods and then three, like, dudes. Because uh-huh. that's what he randomly rolled. And he's like, well, this is happening. <laughs> and so we just, like, killed some Zentradi super easily. Like, just beat them up. And he was like... As a DM, I realized that, like, like a long-time DM who often did not prepare properly for games, yeah. the random monster tables and just, like, embracing whatever happens happens is, like, wonderful. <laughs> he says, take a deep breath. The players are going to have fun just, like, kicking ass for a night rather than getting their asses kicked. And Well, like, what we ended up doing was, I mean, in what probably would be a violation of international space crime or whatever, we, like... Blew up the two regular battle pods because they actually had some guns. Right. And then the little science battle pods, we, like, tore the legs off one, <laughs> right? Because they were battle pods. At least, like, the guy is in the pod crouch. We've all seen that in Robotech. Right. Tore the legs off one and then, like, threw it at the other, like, at <laughs> other Veritex who were holding the other one by the legs and then swinging to try to, like, hit a, hit it like a baseball. Right. Space uh, definitely, definitely made the upcoming peace treaties. Much more difficult. <laughs> so one time these Veritex came across <laughs> the battle pods and played fucking baseball with our fucking pilots scientists. inside. Like, scientists. Yeah, with our scientists. Probably while giggling to themselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like we, we intercepted that the is, chatter. That is terrible. Play the audio. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Batter up and just like whatever. But yeah, it was a, we had a great time. Just decimating these battle pods. Mm-hmm. Whenever so, I was running a game, if I ever hit that wall of what to do, I always introduced a dog. Confounded and confused players. A dog? You a come dog. across a dog. Yep. Is there anything special about the dog? No. No. <laughs> huh. Does it does it have any like markings on it? Like anything unique? No. Do we know do we know where the dog is coming from? Is there like a It's it's a guard dog. I roll religion. <laughs> <laughs> what's it what's the carding? <laughs> I, I did it in the vampire game once, the three gangrel. Oh, they just bailed just, on the dog. just ran away. <laughs> <laughs> they were trying to sneak into some, like, fucking... And there was a single <laughs> guard dog, and they took off. <laughs> they were like, ah, we don't know what to do. I think I remember hearing about <laughs> this, and you were, like, baffled. They're, like, for, like, two weeks, like, what the fuck Wasn't is wrong with these players? It was wrong. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Who also had animalism. Like, you could have just easily been like, the dog is my ally yeah. at the end. Or asked the dog what was going on. You could do that with animalism, like, right? Yeah, they were looking for like a specific locker in a storage facility, and this dog just kept barking at them. And I think they were really put off because, like, Ronan was like, "I come closer to the dog," and I would just start yelling, "At him!" And he was like, "I don't know what to do. This is making me sad." That's good. Good DM skills there. God, I did it in like tabletop games too. I did it in a D and D game, and just like. Oh my god, I don't know what to do. I'm like, you're our wizard. Like, put it into a bag of holding. Do something. Like, right. Or, or just ignore Cast the dog. magic missile on it. It's a dog. It's not wearing armor. <laughs> to be fair, we once created an R&D game with John. Mm-hmm. The, the piggy trap, where we slathered poison on a pig and then sent it into combat. 
<laughs> in the hopes, which totally worked. Fucking the displacer beasts ate the poison pig. <laughs> I don't know. I seem to remember Piggly like getting out. No, of no, that. no, 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 no. Exactly. There was two pigs. Yeah, right? one of them got totally eaten. Right. The other one, who was named Hamlet, was a true hero. Hamlet. And that's Hamlet right. is now the mascot of our inn <laughs> for his re- reward for his heroism. <laughs> In the face of the displacer <laughs> Like, how do you make it go? I slap it on the ass. <laughs> now the pig is just... If, if I remember correctly, Eric screwed that up completely by, like, jumping straight into combat by himself. Yeah, like, oh yeah. light years away from yeah, the Yeah, it was, like, the, the one time that we actually, like, sat down and, like, had a plan. And we're like, this is a pretty decent, like, plan. Involves, like... Wh- like, we're going to come into the combat with the fucking displacer beast already poisoned. Because we were, like, we determined that they're not so intelligent to turn down fucking... Free piggy food. Yeah. Like, running around. Fuck, I'd probably get fooled by that. <laughs> you know? And then we're just sort of like... Hopefully you'd kill the pig. And butcher the pig. Right. Cook the pig and then eat the pig. Yeah, but it might still be poison. Might still be poison, I exactly. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> once you kill the pig and you're like, hey, what is this sticky, awful substance all over its skin? I don't know. I just saw The Revenant yesterday, so I'm all over eating raw meat. <laughs> anyway, so we're all, we're all holed up. Like, we're all back. And then the two stealth characters... Go up into the trees or whatever, and then just like inexplicably, Eric magic missiles. Eric is like, I fire magic Jenkins. missile. <laughs> I was like, what? Leroy Jenkins. Yeah, but pretty much. What, the best part is if he had if he had <laughs> used literally any other attack, he could have like crit, crit and sneak attacked, right? Like it's like the whole rogue thing. You do a right. sneak attack. The magic missile has like flat damage, so it can't do sneak attack yeah. damage. So he just like removed one of his like the tiny reasons he would have had for that making sense. Yeah, yeah. He could have thrown a dagger or something. Yeah, whatever. Would have made a little bit of sense. Or he could have, like, waited a few more seconds to see if the other pig got eaten. <laughs> like, because I was like, there's two displacer beasts, two pigs. One of them got eaten, one of them got poisoned. The other one didn't because <clears throat> he got magic missiled instead. <laughs> instead of just waiting a minute. Good times. It's good times in the world of D&D. You heard about the thing on uh, our D&D where they were like, they just, like, book passage on a ship. And then they were like, no. so it's like a little party, like, Books passage on a ship, okay. and the crew is like super protective of like these certain barrels. They're specially marked. They're like, whatever you do, don't go into the barrels. Blah 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 blah, and like just keeping all the barrels. Are the barrels people? Huh? Well, exactly. So the, the crew is like sneaking around, waking up at night, and finally, and blah 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 blah, and they finally like bluff their way to get at, like access into the area, and then like the thief pops it open or whatever, and the barrels are full of Who's? red herrings. Uh, uh. <laughs> they were like, they like, we literally just. The only reason is that they booked the ship and the, the DM just fucked with them. Right. Like, they were like, you're just going from point A to point B. Like, that was, there's was nothing special about that ship whatsoever. It was a fishing ship. Yeah. And they were like, this is our important fucking cargo. Don't fake, don't, don't dick with it. I feel like I've done that in some games. Just, like, put stuff in that I didn't really have a plan for. That was just like, if you guys want to fuck with it, it'll become something. And if not, otherwise. Yeah. I feel like it's a little cheap. Like, no. because you mentioned it, the player, like, you're playing a game. The players are going to investigate things that you mention. Yeah, you don't have sure. to waste their time. No, for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, we don't know. I don't know the whole entire. Story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's entirely possible that he might have been a new group or whatever. So it might yeah. have been like not everything is fucking story related that happens. And you not know. all, not all D and D is Legend of Zelda, where you smash every single pot. pot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, that's where the rupees are, man. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Hang on. I feel that we need to address something that happened because it has been a long time since it happened. Okay. But in our last episode, we mentioned that David Bowie was, like, looking real good. <laughs> that is an actual thing that we yep. mentioned in our last episode. Yep. And unfortunately, like, a two three, days later, two or three days after that episode got released, yeah. David Bowie passed away. Uh, the, 
two days after his birthday. And just a few days after that, he had his first number one hit, uh, number Mm -hmm. one album in America since, like, the 80s or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Blackstar. So, yes, Blackstar, David Bowie's final album. And even crazier, not crazier, but apparently he, like, met the news of his cancer with, like, just, like, a wealth of creativity. Mm -hmm. He called up his producer in November – so Blackstar was done, recorded, and was, like, going to press. And he already had five more songs and played wow. him rough cuts of, like, five new songs. So if he hadn't have, like – and then he apparently, like, took a bad, like, turn. bad turn, mm-hmm. like, towards late November or whatever. Sure. But it's, like, they're literally – he literally was, like, working on another final album. Like, would, you, would you have said you were, like, a David Bowie fan? Mm. Are you a David Bowie fan? I don't think I, I really am. Uh, his, his, I, I, I asked myself the same thing. Yeah. Because I found out about it halfway to work, and then I looked on my phone and I had twenty six Bowie songs. Wow! There, and I was like, hmm. "Yeah, I guess I am. I guess I am a <laughs> Bowie fan." Yeah, but I mean, like, it's hard to say. Like, are are you, am I a fan of David Bowie? Like, I certainly will. Like, most likely turn him up when he's on the radio. Sure. Like, it's like a happy find. Like, I've listened. I own Hunky Dory on vinyl. Mm-hmm. I don't own a ton of his other albums. I mean, I've, I've listened to him a lot. I think his biggest influence on my life is through the Labyrinth. Yeah, that's, that's you know, like that's the, also fair. Like Labyrinth, yeah. Labyrinth is also a big thing. His cameo in Zoolander is pretty sweet. Uh, that's awesome. Like I've watched. God, his his extra on extras. That scene yes. is always funny. So funny. I didn't see that. Have you, you seen the, yeah. film, the show? The show extras. Not at all. Yeah. Gervais, where it's like, he, it's so fucking good. He like he meets David Bowie. His whole thing is that he like pitched a uh, kind of like an intelligent Ricky Gervais. Yeah. Ricky Gervais. Yeah, yeah. Ricky Gervais pitched like an intelligent sitcom. And then the BBC got it and, like, injected, like, laugh track and catchphrase and, like, and whatever. And, like, turned it into basically, Is that like, where the clip of him interviewing Patrick Stewart comes from? And Patrick Stewart is all like, and then I use my mind powers. And then I, she takes off her clothes and I've seen it all. Yes, <laughs> and he's all, yes. like, super proud yes, of himself. Yes, yeah. exactly. Where it's, yeah. like, all of, all of Patrick Stewart's ideas. Are like, and there's, a, there's like a guest yeah. star every episode. Right. All of Patrick Stewart's ideas are just basically everybody getting naked except for him. And he's like, yeah. I come in. Everyone's naked, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and, just like, and they try so, to put their clothes back mm. on. But it's too late. I've seen it all. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Gervais has weaseled his way into like a VIP party, yeah. okay. and Bowie's there. Yeah, and he like kind of slimes his way over, and he's like, "Oh my god, David Bowie! You know, I'm such a big fan, and I'm also a professional." Yeah, and For Bowie, insta- creator, like, yeah, yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an artistic person. You know, I make I make stuff. Right, and Bowie instantly takes a dislike to him. And starts to write well, a song about how yes, awful yes. a person he is. Because <laughs> Ricky Gervais is just sort of like, well, you know, like BBC got a hold of it and like changed it and add, added the laugh track or whatever and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, and David Bowie's like, can you still do the job? And he's like, well, yeah, because, you know, like the money and all this stuff. And he's like, hmm, yeah. And he turns <laughs> down and he's like, chubby little fat man <laughs> selling his own dreams. No, no, that's not right. Stupid little fat man. <laughs> Puts a gun against his head. <laughs> He's like, no! She's like freaking. At the party at a piano, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone, everyone crowds around. Oh, shit, David Bowie's doing a song. Yeah. Chubby little loser ending his own life. And Ricky Gervais is just freaking out. <laughs> so fucking funny. Uh, highly recommend extras. Yeah. I, I went and I looked at a whole bunch of his funnier funnier clips. Apparently on uh, the Eric Idle project, The, the Ruddles. Which is basically like a parody of the Beatles. There's a DVD extra feature of David Bowie in an interview. Like it's not actually in the fucking project. It's only on the DVDs. David Bowie like interviewing about Eric Idle's like fake band. Like starts off with hmm. him getting his makeup done, and he's like, "Get out! It's done!" And this like pushes her away, and like whatever. And he's like, "Really, really good 
sense of timing and yeah. ability to keep a straight face. Yeah. Doing some insane stuff. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Just fucking hanging out with Eric Idle and doing whatever. Just fun well, shit. But also, this is a guy, like, <coughs> if you listen to Hunky Dory mm-hmm. or Ziggy Stardust yeah. or the Thin White Duke stuff. Yeah. And then he starts hanging out with Trent Reznor. And you're mm-hmm. like, what What happened And then earthling happens. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Heart's Filthy Lesson. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, he's still the coolest guy in the room. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, and, and like, like hits many, many different styles of music. Yeah. And, it's, and then it's masters the op- them. Like you know? very, very much the opposite of like uh, Mick Jagger. Right. Who's like, I do Rolling Stones music or I, for, for 50 years. More appropriately, um, Lemmy. Right, Lemmy did the same album like fifty times, and you can respect him for being true to the music that he wants to do. But Bowie like just does everything, and it's all Bowie. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Yeah. So, did anybody see any quotes on maybe what Flight of the Concords had to say about this? Yes. I there's uh, why J- Jermaine because he we're talking about Bowie doing funny things. Right. Bowie's in the the Bowie space song. Right. And when they did the TV show, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bowie shows up, and they're like, "This is Bowie to Bowie." Yeah. Hey, like, man, are you, you out there? Yeah. How far out? I'm pretty far out. That's really far out, man. Yeah. You know, like, Bowie shows up in that fucking, awesome. in that sketch. So they, they talked about it, yeah. And he's like, yeah, they were like, we, that Bowie bit was one of their, like, first bits that they had ever did, like, Holy when they shit. were kids or whatever. And then they were like, so to come to the point where he's now on set with us. Doing it. Doing the joke. We're like, ah, yeah. there Bowie. Like, he had to, like, uh, apparently Jermaine had to, like, squeeze into that silver spacesuit that he's in in the <laughs> sketch, and it had to be cut off him because it was, like, so constricting that he swelled up. <laughs> and they're like, would you do it again? He's like, yes, I fucking basically sang with David Bowie in space. You know, <laughs> like, he's like, fucking, it's 100% done. Yeah, he wrote Pat say Bowie was 4 foot 10? Yeah. And another fun, fun Bowie I don't know if he's 4'10", but, like, 5'2", or something. Right, right. He's, he's Tiny a wee, dude. wee, wee person. Yeah. Really? Yep. Yep, he's quite did not look that way. Quite small. No, nope. it's that dancing in the streets video with Mick Jagger, where all the camera angles are from down below <laughs> to make him look huge, and the two of them are like. Did you five see the uh, the coolest picture in the world thing floating around? Or whatever. No. I don't even know who else is in it. I just I saw it quickly. I didn't recognize, but I I presume, judging from the people that I did recognize, that it was it's insanity. It's like a group of like twenty people, mm-hmm. and visible are like Pat Smear. Uh, Dave Grohl, like all very young versions of them, Billy Corgan, like James Iha, whatever, yeah. with fucking Bowie in the middle. And then there's like a bunch of other people also. And I was like, I guess this must like a festival crazy or something, but they're all so fucking young. Like, <laughs> and Bowie's just like in the middle and you're like, yeah, Bowie. Mm-hmm. And then another said, oh, yeah, keep the death train rolling. Juju, Alan Rickman, Severus Snape. Oh. Yep. And I was going to say, um, what's his name? Hans Rene Gruber. Angelou. Hans Gruber. Hans Rene Angelil also died, you guys. Yeah. Who? Celine Dion's husband. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, but I think he's famous for marrying someone. Famous. Only in Quebec. Only in Quebec. Yeah. And even then. I, there was I, someone, who is it that we were talking Ev. about? It? Ev. She Ev. was all like super serious. She, she cried a little. Yeah, but also it was like, oh, like she, Ev or something went to like Eric and was like, oh, it's going to be like, it's going to be on the front page and it's going to be like, you're going to see it. It's going to be all over Reddit and it's going to be like everything in like, mm, Quebec. <laughs> Like, Alan Rickman died, that's going to... David Bowie, then Alan Rickman died. That's going to carry the grief train for, yeah. like, a while. Yeah. Hans Gruber. <clears throat> Hans Gruber. Just, you don't get a movie bad guy like that. Like, you think, why did Die Hard revolutionize action movies? A huge part of that is the well, bad guy in that movie. He was part of it. I don't I don't think he was the whole thing. Not, no, But, like, his characterization of being the bad guy. 
Like, sure, sure. Actually kind of being slimy. If and... you want a movie, though, that he fucking saved, it was fucking Robin Hood. Like, it was a Kevin Costner bullshit train of him just being, like, the perfect schoolboy, shitty Kevin Costner acting, whatever. And then Alan Rickman shows up and just turns up the, like, the cheese to 11. And just, like, every scene that he's in, he's fucking hilarious, and you just want to see more of him. It was amazing. Yep. Yeah. Cut his heart out with a spoon. Oh, cut his heart out with a spoon. A spoon, cousin. Why not something sharp, like a sword or or an axe? Because it's dull, you twit. It'll hurt more. So good. So good. He's just running around. Like, yeah. He just gets like, where he's like fucking his whores and he's like, just running. I can't I just remember the scene where he's just running around in the castle, just tripping out. Like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. He has the he has the two girls and he's like, you, my room, ten thirty. You, my room, ten forty five. Bring a friend. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Fun fact: the bog witch lady was is like one of the biggest pieces of nightmare fuel from my childhood from really? from that movie yeah amazing like doing the weird voodoo yeah the with, one with the two colored eyes and yeah then, then when she fights the moor at the end and yeah gets stabbed through and then it's like ah, like running and all that stuff amazing. i don't know i don't know what year did that come out in i don't know 92 or something like i saw it in theaters <laughs> I mean, and i was young and i went with my mom it was like a like a son mom thing it was great really yeah man that's a long movie take a pre-teen too Whatever. It's like two and a half hours. She took me to see the Shawshank Redemption in theaters right around that same time, and I was like fucking 12 or 13. Yeah, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves is 1991. Okay, so So I was 10. Exactly, that's it. Like I I saw it, I think, when it came out on video, but I was like eight or nine. So like, yeah, Bogwitch is pretty terrifying to an eight or nine. Oh, man, they marketed that movie to kids. Like, there was a toy (laughs) line and... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a toy line. It was like a cheesy romance, fucking. Why would you? With a good chunk of violence and yeah. a bit of nudity, sexual assault. Sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, the opening scene isn't there a dude who gets his hand cut off mm-hmm. like right away, and that that's like when he escapes. Yep. He's, he's like the next Robin one to get his hand cut off. Robin is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in the Crusades. Yeah. Watch that movie a lot. We had it on tape. Hmm. Again, there's there's a scene where the sheriff of Nottingham really tries to rape Maid Marian. Yeah. 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 Totally like for kids. And I was like, he's the bad guy. And, and, toys and, and I knew he was the bad it's, guy. It's so it's so visual. I can't. I, this this has no place on a podcast, but uh, this moment is amazing. Good Alan Rickman runs in, and and he runs into the witch's lair, which is like in the basement of the castle. And there's all like bubbling cauldrons and crazy bullshit there. And she's doing some some stuff where she like spits on a silver platter and yeah, then mixes yeah. her blood and whatever into yeah. it. And he's like, ah, ah, and he just like stabs the table five or six times with his knife because he's just like so angry about something. And she looks over at him and is like, something vexes thee. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking good. Yes. Uh, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Rest in peace. Or something. I feel like there's another podcast that does that already. They say rest in peace. To I think all they their... say he will be missed. Oh, yeah, right. right. He will, <laughs> be, will missed. be missed. He will be missed, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <coughs> A lot do of celebrity have, deaths. Do we have other deaths that you guys want to well, hit while we're there? I, I don't have anything to say about that. Like, no, he's creepy he married way Celine. older than Celine Dion. Yeah, exactly. The relationship started when he was way young, or she was way young. Yeah. And yeah. it's in, and in a creepy position of power over her. Yep. And then somehow people bought into it and it became this big romance thing. Because she kept singing romantic songs. Yeah, but that's her deal. Yeah, well, that's That's her why. jam. Yeah. <laughs> if, if she started singing, like, really sad, save me songs, <laughs> <laughs> people would not have bought into it. So uh, just uh, to circle back to David Bowie, okay. uh, did everybody listen to Black Star? Yeah, it was great. No? Oh, you really should. It was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's, it's solid. It's it's really good. It's super weird. They're like, Lazarus is now on the radio, and I don't yeah. know if it would be if he wasn't dead. Absolutely not. 
Like, but ten songs about death by a man who is a brilliant performer and artist, knowing that he's gonna die. I, it, what else could be more appropriate? Like, yeah, yeah, I know for yeah. sure. But it's like it's now into like pretty heavy rotation on yeah, yeah. on Shome. I was like, Black Star kind of like is a little bit catchier, but Too it's long. also nine minutes. Yeah, so like they can't just throw that into heavy heavy rotation. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen any of the videos for it, Scott? Nope. You should. Creepy. Yeah. Super creepy. Really? Like, <coughs> I watched Heart's Filthy Lesson again, and I was like, that is a what's fucking that? creepy video. I don't know what that is. It's the, what was it? It was either on or the theme song for Seven. Oh, it's like, and it was Bowie? Yeah, it's Bowie. It's oh, Bowie shit. produced by Trent Reznor. And it's yeah, like, yeah, back when they were teaming up yeah, for yeah. Earthling and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah, and it looks like a tool video yeah. with Bowie walking around in it. It, it, some of Blackstar has like a oddly tool sense of the like the like jerky repetitive motion on the, yeah, on yeah, the yeah. creepy dudes. Kind of tool, kind of kind of nine inch nails. Yeah, also, yeah, whatever. yeah. That's what, yeah. I had that conversation with with Ev also, mm-hmm. and she was like, "Yeah, do you think like kind of like took from nine inch nails?" But I was like, yeah, "But how much did nine inch nails take from Bowie?" Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, "It's yes, they did something, and then he maybe took something from there." But I was like, well, "I don't think you have nine inch nails with yeah, David Bowie." You can even like, take it further, right? Like Bowie was all over like inventing a persona for himself and then doing an album based on the persona, and like does that? Was did Bowie do one of those first? Did he have like a a character? I don't know if Ziggy predates Kiss. Kiss, Kiss? it might. And even was was Ziggy his first one? I don't I don't have a Bowie. Yeah, Ziggy timeline. Stardust was his first yeah. uh, his first persona. Hmm. Um. I read this great thing where he talked about banging dudes, and he was like, you know, I really don't think I'm that gay, but I banged a bunch of dudes because it was, like, counterculture, and it pissed off people, and my characters were sort of gay. <laughs> like, <laughs> interesting, interesting thing to say, Bowie. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, that's David Bowie, man. Yeah. Hang on, so, um, 1972. For Ziggy? Yeah, and then... Kiss? Uh, Kiss is 73. It's hard to say that he has primacy on that. But yeah. I, I have trouble. Like, I'm sure that there are a lot of people who are not doing pop, whatever you would call David Bowie's music, yeah. who took inspiration from his, like, characters and theme albums. Oh, like something know, like, like, every, like Genesis. Slipknot and fucking Marilyn Pink Manson. Floyd. Sure. Marilyn like, Manson. Pink yeah. Floyd. I don't yeah. think you get a whole lot of prog rock Pink Floyd without <laughs> going through <laughs> Space Oddity. Right. Yeah. Right, like... Yeah, Space Oddity is a lot of weird psychedelic shit on Space Oddity. So. Yeah. Mm. I gotta go and re-listen to that stuff. It's yeah. Been, been the first album's not great. <laughs> no? First album is very... Which was the first album? The, I think it's just self-titled. Okay. It's, but the, the two are self... First two are self-titled, but the second one has Space Oddity on it, and I think it's been basically renamed Space Oddity. Okay. But yeah, but the first one is literally like fucking like cookie cutter Britpop stuff. It's yeah. very weird. And is it, it is, is it I want to hold your hand level cookie cutter not Britpop? Because the Beatles did that too and everybody more, forgives it. More like folky. Like huh. more like like heading to the train station and I see a little man and then he says hello to me and then we walk hand in hand. Like that's literally like yeah, you're like, right. what the shit is this? Is what that actually I, a song, or did you just make that up? I just made if that you up. did, <laughs> what a what a song! <laughs> but like, you know, they're the like producers know where to contact us. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, exactly. The first album is a lot of that. Like, right. and you're like, what the shit? Then Space Oddity gets better, and then uh, Ziggy Stardust after. Ziggy Stardust after, or is it Honky Dory? Honky Dory's next. Okay. Honky Dory, then yeah. But yes. Sorry that we said David Bowie was doing so well last episode, well, you guys. Because it was. turns out he wasn't Take doing a quick very downturn. good. On the other hand, Keith, you're doing great. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. Maybe we have a power. Pick somebody who we don't like, and then let's talk about how good they're doing. Keith is doing great. Keith God. is doing great, guys. Oh. 
Basically, he's looked the same pretty the much the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is all the time I've known him. And, I, and he's getting married later this year, so everything's coming up Keith. <laughs> you guys are the worst. I have this weird <laughs> nagging cough that's not going away. <laughs> You're condemning me to death. You should, okay. get that looked at. Mm. you should get that looked at. Is that blood on your hand? Oh, my God. I have the, I don't know. Captain Trips. God damn it. What uh, is John, do you get that reference? Captain Trips? No. See? God damn it. Uh, wait. Sounds familiar. Yeah, it sounded familiar to me. I, and? It, what did I fuck up? The stand. Oh, yeah, definitely not. No, I was somewhere else. I read that one time when I was like 15. What are, what are you fucking... It's one of the names they give to the the plague that kills people. Oh, really? Captain, Captain Trips? Trips? Yep. Mm-hmm. I remember that at all. So what else is going on, you guys? I saw The Revenant and The Hateful Eight. You can talk about either of those. Two. Did you guys see them? I saw Hateful Eight. I have not seen The Revenant. Okay. I, have I, know seen the, I know the story. Of course, you haven't seen fucking Star Wars yet, man. Do you know what the story is I saw behind? a few other things. I want to talk about The Revenant. Do you know what the, the story is behind this? The story of The Revenant is a man named Leonardo DiCaprio mm-hmm. is mauled yes. by a bear, and his best friend, Tom Hardy, is like, you are way too mauled by this bear. I cannot carry you back to civilization. I am leaving you for dead. Yes. Goodbye. And then he struggles himself back to fucking health and fucking through incredible feats of survivalhood, shows back up to try to kill Tom Hardy for revenge. Correct. In the true story... Yes. He Tom was. Hardy explains that he's like, dude, I'm real, real sorry. And Leonardo DiCaprio is like, okay, then. Actually, I think in the true story, I just read this for this exact moment, was that um, the the character who's played by Tom Hardy actually joins the American army. Hmm. And when, um, uh, when Hugh Glass shows up to murder him for leaving him for dead, he uh, gives him back his rifle. He had this, like, super awesome, high-powered whatever rifle for the mid-1800s. He gives him back his rifle, and then he doesn't kill him because it would be a capital punishment huh. for uh, murdering somebody who's in the army. So he gets off. And then Hugh Glass, later at the age of 53, is murdered by some natives. Sweet. Yes. However, the movie was directed by uh, Inaridu, <laughs> who we all remember from Birdman last year. Uh, and so, like, in this extremely intense, dramatic film, you get that, like, his, like, style of extremely long, long takes with the camera that, like, follows the action up and down. And in a weird way, like, the camera is part of the action. Like, when it goes close to somebody's mouth and they're breathing and it's cold, the, like, the camera gets fogged up or mm-hmm. gets, like, smears of blood on it from whatever's going on at the time. It's, like, fucking intense. The, like, bear attack is... Ten good minutes of cinema where you're like, fuck, this bear is just mauling the shit out of Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. It's a metaphor. The bear is the academy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like, that, that's the big question, right? This is supposed to be another one of Leo's big <clears throat> Oscar pushes. And it got nominated for 8, 12? A whole whack. I feel like the number's 12. And um, I don't know if it's Leo's moment again. Like, he does a brilliant performance, but... Somehow it just doesn't feel like, like it's Oscar bait enough. You should watch the other nominees. And yeah. Get back to us. I That's actually know. a good point. I don't even know who else is up. Uh, we can find that out if someone is going to search. So would you, would you, you on the Scott? Would I recommend Would you thing? recommend The Revenant? It's, it's long, right? And it's pre- two and a half hours. It doesn't feel like it. It feels like an hour and a half. Cool. It's Here's very quick. One of the other things I've heard, and you'll be able to maybe confirm or deny yeah. this, is to uh, go pee before you go see it. Because a lot of running water. Two and a half hours <laughs> of running water. Well, yeah, that's one of the things. I'm, like, So my brother was there, and his major complaint about the like reality level of a lot of the survivalness mm-hmm. was... Wait, um, your brother, I guess, footnote for the listeners is... Oh. 
is a trained survivalist. Uh, and like a very experienced survivalist. Like, you can go like a primitive tool survivalist. Yeah, exactly. like... You can fashion primitive tools out of stuff he finds in the woods and fucking go camping for a week or two with a knife. Yes, and has done this. Yes. So, um, he his, one of his major complaints about it was that, like, um, Hugh Glass in the film often gets submerged in water in the middle of winter, like in a river, escapes from, from like, angry natives or whatever... Um, by going into a river and then getting out. And if you if that happens to you in the middle of the fucking winter, you are in like a life or death situation that will last you for days as your clothes dry off and you're yeah. like you, you warm your body back up. And then he just like huddles by a fire for an hour or two and then he's okay and he runs around and like his like he has this like huge bear pelt that they drape him in when they're carrying his 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 like ill body around. Yeah. Uh and then when they leave him for dead he like takes the pelt and it becomes his like it's what like keeps him warm during the whole right. the whole journey. And um Anyway, he was like, "No fucking way! You get you get like dunked in water. It'll take you like four days to dry out a bear pelt." Yeah, yeah. Uh, the nominees for best actor are Eddie Redmayne for The Danish Girl, Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs, Brian Cranston for Trumbo, Matt Damon for The Martian, and Leonardo DiCaprio for The Revenant. Oh, looks like it's Leo's year. <laughs> I d- I saw The Martian. Anyone else see it? No, no, no. I heard I heard terrible things about it. I liked yeah. it, but it was definitely a vehicle for. I'm Matt Damon, Matt Damon, and I'm super likable, and you're going to root for me for two hours. Right. After he fucked us in fucking Interstellar. The exact opposite. He had to, like, he's like, I want to do a space movie where I'm not a bad astronaut. <laughs> oh, Matt Damon. <laughs> Matt Damon. <laughs> Mad Max is nominated for Best Picture. It's nominated for eight Academy Awards. Yep. Including Best Picture. Mm-hmm. What else is up for Best Picture while we're there? The Revenant, obviously. The Revenant, Bridge of Spies, Spotlight, The Martian, The Big Short. Room and Brooklyn. I don't know what Room and Brooklyn were. Nope. Room is like a weird. Is it the Room by drama? Right. And if <laughs> if not, what a mess. Uh, Brooklyn is a period piece starring Sowery's Ronin. Is it about Brooklyn? It's about Brooklyn. Brooklyn, uh-huh. Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Anyway, I would highly recommend this film. It was extremely exciting, fun, dramatic, extremely well directed, extremely well acted. Like every part of it was delightful, with the possible exception of there's this whole like plotline about Native Americans that seems injected into the story. Yeah, that was not really there in the real anything I read about the real, the real character Hugh Glass. Mm. He um in the in the movie he had like a wife who was native, and so he spoke uh, Cree. I guess it doesn't okay. don't remember exactly what the name of the band was that he that he spoke, and he had a son that was like half blood. And um, to make Tom Hardy's character more villainous, he's like racist against the kid. And <laughs> I guess I get like that as near as I could tell. That was the only reason that it was in there was just to like. Make well, apparently, also it's been used. They've used the film as a as a vehicle to like bring some of the like atrocities against indigenous people. Like sure to for like I think it's okay if you have a bit of an agenda. Yeah, yeah. if it's not like crazy that it's in the film you know like no. it's not like comes out of nowhere they like. run into some french fur trappers and the french are like absolute shit to the natives mm-hmm. and are absolute shit to the english and then they run into some english guys who are shit to the french and shit to the natives and they run into the natives and like but then but then there's also multiple bands of natives like mm-hmm. some of them are murderous and whatever some of them are allies and i think that's how it actually was they're like it was mm-hmm. it's not like there was like this like native population that was a, all organized yeah, yeah, the same multiple yeah. tribes whatever, yeah for sure yeah. But anyway, but yeah, but part of it is a, uh, there's been a lot of dialogue that's like started about indigenous hmm. peoples based on at least part of like the revenue or whatever. Interesting. And I mean, it's the whole thing that we have in fucking Canada is a huge issue, right? Yeah, like, yeah. The rape and murder and missing indigenous women is 
You're like, oh, we have just a thousand fucking unsolved cases in Canada because yeah. it's about indigenous people. And See, did he get around to doing something about that? I feel like Trudeau, that was one of his promises. He was going to take that shit seriously. For sure. But I mean, to be fair, didn't Parliament just sit like last oh, week? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, been on, it's been on winter vacation yeah, for exactly, forever. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Did you hear about the... Um, the Crashing Canadian dollar? Well, yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah I'm getting thing. fucked <laughs> in the ass on that. <laughs> no, but just the, the, the Trudeau quote-unquote scandal of that, like, he used, like, whatever the plane is, like... Canada Force One okay. to like <laughs> to, to take his kids and his wife to uh, like Kits and Saint Martinic Kits and What are you saying, buddy? Use your use your words. Some fucking tropical island. <laughs> okay. like, you know the ones. Were you, were you gonna say Martinique? But that's not it. But that's not it. Kits and something is like it's a thing. Kits and something. Okay, but anyway, isn't that his his prerogative? Isn't anyway, it? it's not. Not only is it his prerogative, it's yeah. he has to. Yeah, it's like, like the security RCMP's thing. Like anywhere he goes, he needs to fucking travel in that thing. Like that's like he's the prime minister, yeah. man. Like, <laughs> like it's not like like oh, he's spending wasting taxpayers' money. It's like, like no, he has a jet that is like security enhanced, literally for the purpose of him going anywhere. Exactly, he's yeah. not allowed to go on Christmas vacation. He should get around to governing. And I was like. What, he's going to fly coach in Air Canada? Like, <laughs> no one else will be there also. No one else is, par- is in Parliament. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You were on the green one. Thanks. Anyway, fucking ridiculous. So, yeah. yes, now we're going to we're gonna start to get to actual government of Justin Trudeau very soon. Oh, that's good. And we're going to get to see him age rapidly like, they, like Obama. <laughs> he's going to come out gray at 30, 36. And, yes, and the Canadian dollar is in the dump truck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's in the 60s now? Yep, they yep. they predict as low as fifty nine this year. No. Oh. Well, some some economists, other economists feel that it might at least bounce in terms of American money because they're predicting another Wall Street dip. <laughs> so, really? Yeah. That's yeah. Nice. Oh, that's good. Well, <laughs> It'll yeah. bounce us right back up. <coughs> I'm yeah. taking a very long trip very soon, and everything is going to be everything on that trip is U.S. dollars, and the the cost of my trip has gone up like literally forty five percent. For us, we're going to PAX South. Yep. And yeah. that just like got a whole almost doubles, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just, I mean, I'm glad that a lot of it got paid for in advance, like the plane tickets sure, and, sure. and, and all that shit. But like our hotel, like, didn't get paid for until recently. So I mean, it would have been better if we had paid it way in advance. Yeah. But she was like, "Oh, well, we'll pay it later." And like, who cares? The cost. Wrong. Wrong. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, the dollar, you guys, <laughs> because. That, this is why you listen to us. Yes, our, that's right. our economic insights. Mm-hmm. It's such a bummer. Do, hold on, hold on. Somebody come up with an insight. Sell. <laughs> Buy. No, definitely <laughs> don't, don't. Like this is the time if you are investing in. And I mind. I'm done. So, <laughs> somebody talk about a movie. Well, I was gonna say no, just just to 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 to, to finally make an, like a final comment on the the best on the dollar situation. Uh-huh. Like, the big, big reason for it is that they decided to make, like, a cornerstone of the Canadian economy, oil. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, fuck. Like, I was like, I, like... Just in time. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, why? I was like, fucking frustrating to, like... Like, the fact that I was like, if... If, for some reason, Stephen Harper decided to, like, just, just decimate the tar sands and just, like, wreck the country... Mm-hmm. And then we were like, and the dollar's worth fucking two American dollars and we're the global currency. I'd be like, you know, I don't appreciate what you did environmentally, but like, at least it worked. Right. You know, but I'm like, so now you wrecked the environment 
and it didn't work. Not only did it not work, it tied our economy to a, like a, like a resource that we want to get away from yeah. culturally and politically. Exactly. Right? And now our economy is tanking as a direct result of you <laughs> raping the environment. Thanks, fucking for fucking us two ways <laughs> exactly. over. God damn it. Anyway, uh-huh. hateful eight, mm-hmm. you guys. Yeah, hateful eight was really good. Yeah. Yeah, probably his strongest since. Uh, I'm gonna say Pulp Fiction. So post Pulp Fiction was Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown, then and then Kill, Kill Bill. Bill one and two, then Inglorious Bastards, then Django. Yeah. So his well, best. Well, Death Proof's in there somewhere. Oh yeah, Death Proof's in there. That doesn't count. Oh man, I love Death Proof. <laughs> love that movie. Really? Oh man, I can't think of a movie where the last half hour had me on the edge of my seat as much as Death Proof did. Huh. Like after he raises the stakes halfway through the first part of the movie, yeah. mm-hmm. and then it starts over. And I was just like, uh, fuck. Yeah. I, just, I was like clenched the whole way watching that second half of the movie. And when the girls turn the tide on, on Icy Hot. Yeah. Like just such happy relief. Like <laughs> so far behind them. I think this is what makes Quentin Tarantino such a good filmmaker. Most everybody that I've read would put Death Proof as his weakest film. And you can still have a totally legitimate claim to make it as one of your favorites see because my my least favorite of his movies not counting hate flight because i haven't seen it yet, yeah is jackie brown which is like one of keith's favorites yeah, yeah. Like, i love jackie brown <laughs> like, i think his best one is still reservoir dogs because oh. i can i can watch and quote that movie if the you high like out. hateful eight has the most to do with reservoir dogs yeah, than all of his other films like it's basically uh it, it could be a stage, a stage production, yeah. basically. There's two sets in the entire thing. Very similar to the way, and and even like uh, on the stage. I was even imagining it while watching the movie. Like they could roll a coach yeah. onto the stage and do like the first third of the movie based on that on that coach yeah. sitting on the stage, and they roll it off, and then it's the fucking the yeah, room. Yeah, and they need to have outside. Yeah, like, yeah, a little a few, bit for a few things that go on outside. But even that, that's usually pretty easy if you just like dim down the the, the basic dim down plot. the set and then like light the front of the. There's, the, there's a guy who is bringing a prisoner to be killed at this town. Mm-hmm. He runs into a whole bunch of people on his way to that town, like one after the other whom he suspects of being there to rescue his prisoner. And then he gets locked into a cabin with a bunch of other pe- with with like some people who are at the cabin. That's kind of like a like a hotel way station, right? So there's okay. eight people inside the cabin. There's him and his prisoner. Do they get out? Do they not? Yeah. That's the, that's he, the film. He believes that some of these people, if not all of these people, are here to... Rescue the prisoner. Rescue the prisoner. Yep. So the yep. only people that he has, like, he has varying degrees of trust with the people who were with him in the coach. Yeah. And then almost no trust for anybody who is at the cabin. At the cabin. Uh, ten little Indians kind of thing. Yeah. 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 A group of people stuck in a place. Who do you trust? But, so. like, shit goes down pretty fucking quickly, so. Well, not really, man. No? Think about, think about it that, like, this is the... The poison yeah. happens at the middle of the film, and it's nearly a three-hour film. I guess you're right. Like, that second half is fucking balls to the wall, yeah. but, like, you're watching for, like, well over an hour. You know, I heard a lot of people complain that it was slow to start. It's, I, I didn't feel that it was so slow. I, I felt that it was, like, it was paced, mm-hmm. you know, but, and it wasn't rushing. Did you, did you see it with the intermission? I did not. Okay. See, I, I saw it on 70 mil, and okay. they had the intermission, and I thought the intermission was really cool because yeah. i was like 
all of the pieces are in place. Yeah. I have like 10 minutes, get up, go to the washroom, get another drink. Get ready for the shit to go down. down. And then you're like, yeah. I understand everything that's about to happen. And now it's almost like sitting out down for like, like fucking blow me away, Quentin. Right. And then he does. You yeah. know, like. Yeah. Talk about slow starts again. Go back to Death Proof. That's Nothing a slow fucking happens. start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nothing First, happens. They're, for they're so at the long. bar and they just sit there yeah. and talk. Here's a thought though. So he was so intense about getting this thing on seventy mil and the like the quality of the fucking camera, whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like it didn't need it. You know, like yeah, there was some nice nice footage shit at the start. But like once they're in the cabin, do, did you really need this this like the best possible picture for that whole thing? No. It's like a dialogue and and character and character driven film, not a not a visual <laughs> one. Oh, that was Great, real buddy. bad. I tried yeah. to cover up and I coughed right yeah, in your you, ears. You saw your level spike in Yep. <laughs> Sorry, audience. Um, yeah. I <laughs> Fix that. Nope. Mark the time. <laughs> will not do. Um, I would say that like there's there are a lot of really, really very intense close-ups. Yeah. With like, stuff in the foreground and the close-up of okay. like a person that are almost an entire face taking up like half of the camera. Sure. Like there's a lot of stuff like that. Like I think that and I mean, and plus, I think there was like an additional homage to it that it was a western, and mm-hmm. he wanted it to like wanted it to look like the old fucking like what was the, the one of the last ones done was Lawrence of Arabia, I think. But like, it's been a long time since they fucking screened Filmed in seventy. Hmm. Yeah, like they yeah. would you, they they cut down most of the movies we saw when we were kids were on thirty five, right? Yeah, which is sure. like half the width of the film, right? Yeah. Like, so I think he kind of like also wanted that like feel the great the greats of cinema, you know, yeah. like from like the fifties and sixties, like. Which which is fine, but it's not – it's, like, the style of his filmmaking is not that. It's, like, the intense, close, small – But, I mean, but there were also a lot of big sweeping shots of the wilderness, yeah, right? Yep, yep, yep. The start like, had that – Like, the start definitely has that – The winter the – Like, that shot shows. – Like, the shot of the, the snow-covered crucifix – Yeah. That, like, starts in, like, so zoomed and, like, slowly pulls back and as the, like – the coach is coming. As by. the coach comes by. Okay, here's another one. Ennio Morritone. They were all super jazzed that he was going to be in it. I didn't feel that he he had like a driving force behind the film. That's the sound guy who is the same the same musician who was in um, or did the, the score for the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly for like a whole bunch of old classic westerns. Did you have the overture as well? Yeah, that was him. No, no, but did you have it in the? I don't know if it only screened in the seventy. Like, did you sit there and listen to almost ten minutes of music before the movie started? No. Okay, that was interesting. Yeah. That was at the seventy millimeter huh. screening. Like, there's an overture of just the music. Yeah, and I, I this fucking sucks because I guess that's the way it should be fucking yeah, viewed. Yeah. Because like it sets the like the theme, okay. and then that like you can hear bits of the score coming, coming back. back from yeah. the overture and stuff. Like, I, I mean, I did get that that was happening, but like you can't say that the sound was was dri- driving the film in the same way that like for the good, the bad, and the ugly, you had the like soundtrack that always came back, and that was mm. really. A character almost. No, there's... Doubling back to 70 millimeter, Keith is wrong. There's a lot of movies that are filmed. Or no, more not recent. Not filmed. Screened. Like... Filmed and screened, yeah. No, no, no. We have to say what was projected on 70. Yeah. Like, I don't All think so. of... If it's filmed in 70, it's pretty much projected on no, 70. No, man. There's no... Proje- because the list isn't super huge. Okay. And the list does indicate that there is stuff that was filmed on 35 okay. and then blown up to 70, which okay. doesn't count. Right, right. Um, the Master, which was a Paul Thomas Anderson movie from oh, that was twenty twelve. That was wonderful if you guys saw that. Joaquin Phoenix, yeah, very uh, intense. Some movie called Samsara, which I've never heard of. I've heard of that. Uh, Hamlet, 
96. Was that the, the Kenneth Branagh one? Kenneth yeah, that makes sense. That was uh, that Far was and Away movie. with Nicole Kidman and Tom Cruise, the mm-hmm. big Irish coming to that. America movie. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, I saw that one. Yeah. Tron, before that. <laughs> oh, Far shit. and Away was 92. Tron was 82. <laughs> and then before that was The Last Valley in 70. And then Patton, Airport, Hello Dolly, bunch of stuff in the 60s, 2001. Back when it was more normal. Dr. Yeah. Doolittle. Say, but I, like I said, I feel that whatever yeah, the master in 2012 yeah. was not screened on, like, it probably was in some, in some where they projection could. houses. Yeah. yeah, but it wasn't like, for this fucking. That was a good looking movie. And for this, Tarantino fucking, like, got and paid for fucking people to, like, dig up the projectors. Because a lot of the fucking theaters still had them. Yeah. And to dig up the projectors, get them installed, train them how to use it, and yeah. everything else like that. They, like, the Weinsteins did all that. I wonder if it worked. I wonder if he made money back on this thing. I have no idea. West Side, St- West Side Story and Lawrence Arabia were two of the first ones. Huh. huh. So the Lawrence Arabia was a good-looking movie, also. Yeah. Like I, I watched it again very recently, and? and man, the film quality on that is glorious. Yeah. It still shows. Yeah, like yeah. it. It it does not look like it looks HD. Like <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like a movie that was filmed in the '60s. It looks like a movie that was set huh. in the in the. How did you find it? Like as a as a film set in the sixties. Oh set yeah, in very the very British. I seem to remember it being kind of slow and yeah, like very I didn't slow really... and very Peter yeah. O'Toole being like, "I'm a hero for," Le-. and you're like, "No, that's not super heroic." It's John McClane could get that shit done like, way better. <laughs> very stiff upper lip kind of stuff. Yeah, Arabian looked Larry great, though. Yeah, looked great. Yeah, movies. What did not you see, Scott? I saw Creed. I like Creed a lot. Mm-hmm. What was that? It's the uh, latest of the Rocky movies. Wait, what? It's a spinoff, really. Except Rocky's in it. Yeah, but he's not the star. It's also not called Rocky. Creed is the star. It could be called Rocky 7 if it was a Rocky. Yeah, Rocky doesn't <laughs> box because he's like... Gazillion. Yeah, he's really old. Okay. Anyway. Stallone is like pushing 70. It's Apollo Creed's kid is like, I want to be a boxer, but then he's like... Wait, 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 wait. wait. did Stallone look okay? Stallone won a Golden Globe for his role as fucking and Rocky. He's nominated for an Oscar. His first for... Golden Globe as Rocky. Yeah, and he's nominated for an Oscar. But did he look actor. good? Do you think he was okay, healthy, doing fine? No, he looked super shitty in the movie because okay. Rocky is supposed to so, be. Because like, we said that Rocky... Adrian's Adrian's dead, Paulie's dead, Mick's dead. He's wow. he's kind of the shitty. last one. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> if we said that he looks good, then Sylvester Stallone's about to die. Right. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, he he acted really well. I have always really liked Rocky, and I think it's a good sequel to Rocky to the first one thematically really? it's kind of sad and it's kind of a character study hmm. and but of of Creed's son that's Creed's like the story son. right Creed, like well so the the idea is Creed's son wants to be a fighter right but his father was a millionaire heavyweight champion of the world who died in the ring fighting mm-hmm. Ivan Drago after doing a dance number with <laughs> it's a rough plot point to get past they kind of just deal with it wasn't there something about a robot no, oh, that was Rocky. Rocky owned a robot. Rocky why doesn't? Okay, but if all of his family's dead, why isn't his robot taking care of him? <laughs> they deal with that. He loses the robot in five. <laughs> or he loses the whole mansion and everything. They take the robot away. That's like a thing. You see a mover <laughs> pick it up and take it away. Oh, it gets no, repossessed. Rocky. Um. Anyways, they take so away his robot. The Creed's kid. He's like, oh, he goes to the the L.A. training gym that that trained his dad, and he's like, training the, the trainers there. Are like, you you are a millionaire. Mm-hmm. You do not have the fire. That it takes to, to be, be a fighter. To be a fighter, like you, you have everything else to fall back on. There's, like, the people that are going to win are the ones who have no other choice but to win. Hmm. 
So he, he goes around, he tries to find a, a place to fight. No one will train him. No one will get him started. And he's, like, fighting in Tijuana to get his fights in. Like, And he's winning. Just, like, when he goes back to train, he gets the shit kicked out of him by some street thug boxers who are actually training to fight to win. So with no other recourse, he moves to Philadelphia, and he starts pestering Rocky to train him. Hmm. And Rocky doesn't want anything to do with it. He's like... I'm old, I'm depressed, I'm waiting to die. Like Everyone I've known and loved is dead. They I run my a, robot. <laughs> I run a restaurant. My son and I don't really relate to each other anymore, and he's moved across the country. So, like, good luck. So, okay, like, I'll train you. And then the way that he does it is kind of, he's like, okay, well, you know, I'm training at this gym, but the guy isn't training me. He's training his, his what who he his thinks is his number one guy. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you can give me some tips on how to work out, like I would, I would appreciate it. You are a former heavyweight champion. You're basically my uncle. You know, mm-hmm. my dad was your best friend. And so Rocky kind of does this, like gives him a couple things. And, and what then you got to do is you got to lift up your arm and you put it in this way. Chase chicken. Chicken. <laughs> and then Rocky comes out of the gym to check on him. Punch and then the meat. And the guy's like, Rocky, oh my God, you got to meet my, my number one guy. And he's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm going to check this kid out. Right. Uh, and it kind of goes from there. It's, it's like a nice little, you know, a guy who has nothing left with, with a kid who just just trying to prove himself. So it's like a karate shot. A little bit karate kid. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely got that hmm. karate kid kind of story arc to it. Boxing kid creed. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good thing. And it's, but Rocky's a little bit sadder than Miyagi. Is it like applicable to an audience who has not or is not familiar with? Uh, Rocky uh, itself, like, does and it if you haven't seen Rocky, you really should just watch Rocky. Like, okay, that is in my still is in my top time, top five films of all time. Really, like the first Rocky movie. I think I turned it off halfway through. I got kind of bored. Didn't connect with the character. I didn't like. Didn't find he was like likable. And then it was very slow paced. It's like, like Rocky. It's extremely Rocky and slow-paced. Raging Bull are kind of one and two for boxing movies. Like, yeah, yeah. but Ro- but Raging Bull is one out of the. Uh, Rocky won really? Best Picture, Best. Screenplay, best. Yeah. No shit. Like, Raging yeah. Bull is very, very, very good. Yeah. And But Rocky's also very good. Like, I would, All right. I'd go I back. I gotta do I it. I would go back and do it. And like I said, I, I think that Raging Bull is probably number one, but it's not. The thing is, Rocky. Not light years ahead. Okay. Rocky really gets slammed because of Rocky 3, Rocky 4, Rocky 5. Yeah. Like, it's like. It's, it's like Jaws. Right? Yeah. 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 It's, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. lot like Jaws, yeah. where you're just like. Except it doesn't have Spielberg's name tied to it. Rocky, right? Rocky has Stallone's name tied to it. <laughs> so and Stallone's that, own career. Like, as Stallone's career torpedoed. Like, well, so it didn't did. torpedo. It just became something that is not Rocky, right? Like, it's, I think Rocky is such a well-acted character study of a movie. Mm-hmm. Of, yeah, exactly. It of tragic, not super bright people trying to prove that they're not worthless. And I just... I, hmm. So... That's a beautiful segue. I could not set up. What did you just say? Tragic. Torpedoes? Not terribly bright people terribly who are trying to prove people. that they're not worthless. Trying to prove that they're not worthless. Have you guys seen Making a Murderer? Yes, I have. Uh, I'm four or five episodes in. Yeah, and? And, and tragic, not terribly bright people yep. <laughs> trying to prove that they're not murderers. murderers. Uh, it's wonderful. Holy shit. I yeah. don't want to, like, I was talking about this Scott. I really don't want to spoil anything. Scott, Scott is like, I was like, do you know what it's about? And he was like, uh, like he, Scott is literally sitting right here. I think he could say what he thinks it's I don't about. Know what he was writing. What'd you say, Scott? What do you know? <laughs> uh, 
Uh, it's a guy who gets convicted for a crime he doesn't co- didn't commit and is really working hard to try to prove he well he do it and but like it's suffers so jail. much like, more than that. The thing is, he he no, was don't even when, spoil it, when you say that he didn't commit the crime, that's like the thesis of the of the of the documentary is like, did he do it or not? And it is not clear. Well, but at except any point. for the fact that there was <clears throat> the initial crime yeah. he didn't commit. Well. I, I like it. It's a wonderful. It's, it's a, like in terms of documentary making, it's incredible. I can't believe that they maintain as much tension as they do for the full ten episodes. Yeah, yeah. like it's so intense. If you're at all, well, as soon as we started talking about it, we started talking about serial serial podcast. Yeah, like yeah. it's serial podcast on documentary mode without uh, without an opinionated narrator though, which that's not true. So as the, as the thing goes on, the I mean, yeah, I don't want to spoil well, no, nothing. No, 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 I, th- I think the document, the documentarians who made making a murderer. No, they have an agenda, but I'm saying, yeah. but in serial, they, there's an opinionated narrator. Okay, okay. Like there's a voiceover person being like, "Here's what I think he means in this testimony." Yeah. Whatever. There's obviously a slant. Yes. That the yeah. documentarians have in yeah. making a murderer. However, there's not like the voiceover. Like the guys who made the movie don't ever voiceover and be like, "What a joker," right. which kind of happens in serial, and it's kind of the worst parts of serial. Also, when Sarah when Sarah Koenig just like Adnan does this a lot when we're talking, I find that yeah, this guy yeah, sounds like bullshit because he's doing this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sometimes he holds back, and I'm not sure like, what the reason <laughs> why. There there are some rebuttals to the to the the ten episodes that are like pretty freaking harsh and pretty pretty like if you if if the documentarians had put that information into the documentary, you would have a completely different opinion than the one that you have. Yeah, like so they just the, the like the agenda is pretty pretty clear cut. Yeah. And I, um, I say that with trying to spoil as little as possible. It's still like very intense and very well. It's well not a. It's not a thing that I don't want to watch. It's just yeah. a thing that. Bottom of the list. <laughs> well, it's like, am I in the mood to go through like some serious feelings of of righteous indignation and despair <laughs> at the justice system? And well, uh, I don't still, know if I want to do that right now. It's incredibly good. Like I like I would recommend it as if you if you even remotely enjoy documentaries and true stories you really should watch it. Kinda, it kind of it kind of got me thinking. I was like, how hard would it be to fake something like that? Like, not not in a true story, but I'm just saying like as a storytelling device. If you wanted to fabricate, like to use that as a scripted story, mm-hmm. like to use older like grainier footage of actors and whatever like old police reports old photos of them like like i'm saying like not not fake it in the sense of like pushing an agenda in the real world but being right. like the new season of scream or right. whatever True is presented detective. as a documentary yeah. True detective three yeah exactly yeah. you know yeah. but i was like to use that like because i was like it's so compelling I and mean, it's really just fucking like interviews and like little facts over and, and city like, shots city you know, shots yeah. while they're like giving some things whatever like if yeah. you could script something let's talk about tower pings <laughs> I, I i think that that would be incredibly cool yeah like a like a tv show that was like a fake do- like a not a mockumentary but like a fake documentary yeah yeah that could just like really like tell like a super engaging fucking story yeah like long form documentary style i think it'd be really cool yep super fun anyway making a murderer the story of steve avery and whether or not he is a murderer Multiple murder or not? Well, multiple murder? Something murder. else I would suggest. Multiple rapist. Yes. Murder, yeah. Single murderer. Uh, would be uh, Dear Zachary. If you want a shorter version 
or a shorter like experience of I it. I saw that recommended after like, like because you watched Making a Murderer. You should see Dear Zachary. If you haven't watched it, you fucking should watch Dear Zachary. It's a Canadian legal similar to to Making a Murderer. It's the darkest fucking most horrific thing. It'll fucking rip your heart out. It's so fucking horrible. Yeah, sign me up. No, but it's the best. <laughs> and it's a true story, and Canadian legislation got changed as a result of it. Right. And it's, um, I, I, I literally am not going to say anything about it other than that it's one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. And, uh, like, I, we watch a lot of documentaries. Yeah. We're fucking all over that shit. Like, mm-hmm. really, it's, it's brilliant. Netflix has a couple good hockey documentaries on right now. Yeah. Red Army, if you haven't seen it. Yeah, Nipple's telling you about that. I think you lent God. me that. Oh. Possible. Uh, this one's. <laughs> this one's. I only watched it recently. Okay. This is from the eighties. The eighties, and it's pers- like pers- on the Russians, not on the Canadians. Okay. Side. Yeah. Well, where they, where somebody was like, "You guys have to win now." And <laughs> yeah. Just it's it's um five players playing on the Red Army. The pressure to to play. Mm-hmm. The change from the Red Army being this military thing to being kind of run as a propaganda. Hmm. tool mm-hmm. in in the late 70s and early and through the 80s yep and then the defection of the players to north america and some of the craziest shit that happened for example uh like some of the first nhl players like sergey makarov kovalov i mean before that sergey makarov 87 um who won rookie of the year when he was like 30 years old yeah yeah they're like, oh, okay, you can defect to Canada. You can play in the NHL. You're going to give the KGB your entire salary, and we're going to give you $1,000 a week. Like, that is what it will take for you to play, like, to leave Russia. Like, you will still be supporting the homeland. You're funneling the money back to help your people. Wow. And, and did they do it? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All kinds of players were doing that. Like, that's how That's how they were allowed to leave and not have their family sent to gulags. That is fucking crazy. And <clears throat> the the story of them going through that. It's very, very cool. Hmm. I also watched The Last Gladiators. Yeah. with Which is the story of hockey fighters in the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. How they came and More specifically And, went, and then all about Chris, Not- Chris Nyland. Yeah. Like, what, through what's his, his story. Deal? Um, he was the he, greatest goon in the Habs, basically. Yeah. And definitely <laughs> the best through... The 80s. Yeah, exactly. Him and Bob Probert, right? Yeah. One of the best goons in the league. Definitely the best all-time Habs goon. And then, mm-hmm. But then also, like, the Habs took enough of an interest in him to teach him how to score. Yeah. <laughs> like, did you did you see it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that yeah. part, he, like, teared up when he's talking about it. Just being, like, guys like Ganey and whatever being, like, and the coach being, like, you know, you can score. And he's being, like, <laughs> like, is it, like is he, he you're, you're the in the penalty box too much. You can stand here. We'll teach you how to do it. Wow. Danny's teaching him how to skate. Robinson's teaching him how to like finish a body check. Jacques Lemaire is teaching him. Just, you're going to stand here and you're going to practice deflecting shots and flipping them up over the goalie. Awesome. Because that's how you're going to score. That's then, where you score goals. Is you stand in front of the goalie, you get fucking checked a bunch, and you tip, tip it in. Did you watch it? it? There's um, a highlight thing where he goes, draws the puck in across the blue line, and does a wraparound. Yes. So good. But yeah, yeah to, to the point where he was like, a guy who was a fighter who was scoring 20, 25 goals a year. Huh. And during his time in Boston, Mike Milbury, because the year before he had taken his team to the Stanley Cup, mm-hmm. was the coach of the All-Star team. So okay. he was given some prerogative on who was on the team. He chose Chris Nyland for the All-Stars. <laughs> He's like, I want a guy who's going to work hard, who's got good heart, who's got the spirit. It's mm-hmm. a guy. And, and it's just all like, like a classic fighter. Yeah. 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 Right. 
and all the flack he got. He was like, I was really looking forward to like showing people that I could play elite level hockey. Mm-hmm. And then I broke my ankle. Oh. Speaking and of then, like, his downward spiral. games and goons. God damn it. So this is our last topic, I suppose. I just want to really wrap up because it <coughs> it's so topical. What happened? So topical. John Scott from the Arizona Coyotes got voted in to the All-Star game by the fan votes. He got to vote the captains. So they and then and then also became their only representative at the All-Star game due to that vote. Okay. Because every team needs to have one person. John Scott is literally the last big fighter in the game. Okay. Like nobody else is the fucking 66 barely skates. Fucking 280 games and five goals. <laughs> like, and two of them are empty netters. Like, it's oh fucking God. like, he is a goon and he's a fighter. Right. So they vote. He's a big, goofy guy, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He seems like a nice dude. Like, I mean, as, as a lot of the fighters really do, he gets voted to the All-Star game. And originally he was like, I'm, I will say no. It's like, nice, whatever. And then apparently a lot of, like, people close to him told him, like, no, man, do it. fucking yeah. do it. Like, yeah. yes, it's, it's a joke, but think about you're the last one. Like, every guy, like, fucking... Ty Domi, Chris Nyland. Yeah, like, they, they never Bob made Probert it to the All-Star Games, you know? Yeah. So then the team asked him to say no. The NHL asked him to say no. And he was like, nope, fans voted, man. I'm fucking going. Yep. Then the Habs traded Jared Tenorti, Jared Tenorti to the Coyotes for another defenseman, and then they traded that defenseman to another one from Nashville. And in the package, John Scott ended up going to Montreal and into the minors. So now he's no longer an NHL player. He's not going to be in the NHL All-Star. They haven't said one way or the other yet. But it well, but looks the thing like is, is that he Arizona needs to get <coughs> another All-Star, and then then he'd be over the roster. I, I don't he, see a problem He's no longer going to be Arizona's All-Star. I don't see a problem with it either. I just throw him on... Throw, throw him on, on a East team. Yeah. or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Just throw him on a team. Let him play with Yager. Yeah, who cares? Right? Like, Yes, it's fucking... Uh, wait, you don't see a problem with him playing in the All-Star? No, not at all. No. Because it's... The fans voted. Cause it, you let one, vote it's it. not yeah. a real hockey game. Yeah. Two, this year it's especially not a real hockey game. It's four teams playing three-on-three hockey against each other. For what the fuck minutes. is that? For 20 minutes in a little mini tournament. Right. Like the, it's The other fucked up part, if you want to put on a more human level... The winning team gets a million dollars, which comes out to about ninety thousand dollars a player. None which is of, like none a of fifth the all stars fucking give a shit about it. Right. John Scott gets paid five hundred and seventy thousand dollars a year. Right. So it's like a like a that's fucking twenty percent bonus. That's an actual bonus. Yeah. As opposed to like someone who's getting paid ten million is like tur, 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 tur. Yeah. Like I mean, sure they'll probably go to charity and that's fine, but yeah, like yeah. John Scott's actually like fans voted me. I want that bonus. Like yeah. <laughs> fucking like I have never made a million dollars in my fucking career. You know like. Man, right? Um, Montreal didn't want him. In order for him them to complete the deal, Arizona was like, "You must take this player off our hands." Ugh. Like you that's, want this other guy? That's so you're getting dirty, both man. Of them. Can you imagine being <clears throat> traded around like that and have have your the organization you're like backing, you're trying to work for, being like, "No, we just we have to get rid of you." Yeah. And and not just that, but like as an enforcer, you have to bleed that color. Like your whole job is to get punched in the head for those colors on your on your shirt. For the, the yeah. star guys who get paid ten times what you get paid, you know, yeah. like I'm there to protect you. I'm there to to take the lumps for you so you can go out and do your job. And like this is what. I, don't worry, I got your back. Sorry, John Scott. That's yep. a raw deal. Yep. Bergevin is never gonna call him up. No, why, why <clears throat> would they? Fuck, it sucks. 
The only thing is, is that I feel that he might bring a lot of heart down to uh, Newfoundland. <laughs> like, I was like, ju- as a slight silver lining, I was listening to. Um, how how can he possibly bring heart to that team? What's his name? Imagine if you were a guy who was told all year in the last couple of years to bleed for that Arizona Coyotes. Paul Bissonnette, business nasty himself, says that <clears throat> he was shocked at how much fun and how rewarding it was playing in the NHL. Because all the guys are like, in the, you, in the A, yeah. It's like, you've been there. Yeah, and like whatever. Like, oh, cool. And like whatever. And he's like, and I, he's like, and I'll still fucking, he's like, I'll beat the shit out of a 20-year-old. He's like, <laughs> I do not care. He's like, I have star players in the NHL. I have star players in the NHL who haven't made money yet. Like, these kids need protection to fucking get their shots. Yeah. He's like, they need it even more than the NHLers in a lot of ways. These kids haven't made a dime and they're still playing hard. I was like, I'll beat the crap out of a 20-year-old who runs my butt. <laughs> and I was like, man, think about how terrifying that must be if you're like an AHL, like 18, 19, 20-year-old guy. Fucking biz nasty's like, what's up, idiot? <laughs> Just beats the shit out of you. And you're like, and, and there's nothing you can do because that's part of the game. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. part of the game. And he's old man, grizzled and fucking stocky and yeah. shitty. And you're not even like fully filled out yet physically. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Beeson is just demolishing you. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean like I hope for his sake that he gets that kind of a that he oh, can that he can see it that way. I really hope the NHL just lets him play in the All-Star game. <laughs> just he doesn't need to captain. They can put another freaking Coyote in. Yeah. Just throw him on the the Atlantic team and in the end, that's it. Let him skate for what fuck 5 minutes. Like, really? Well, they play two games, right? Well, but of three on three? Yeah, it's so dumb. What is yeah. that? Can you imagine being a goaltender being like, hey, go, go to the All-Star game. Have some fun. <laughs> just getting rocked constantly. Yeah, it's just, three on three. Just breakaway after breakaway after breakaway. Like, that's just got to fry your nerves. Yeah, well, they just let them in. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like... And then John Scott's there. This is for so much money. Yeah, he's like, I want to win the tournament for fucking like a hundred thousand dollars. He's got braces. Shit. Uh, that was the 90s, everybody. Bye. Wait a minute, was this episode 102? Something like that. This is episode 100. Oh man, it's the real 100. Follow us on Twitter. We're at sign number nine T O number five C C on Twitter. So uh, and also be sure to check back on the site for something on Mondays. Probably uh, we have zombies and loathing after the bomb usually on Tuesdays. We have a new comic in ninety five illustrated every Wednesday. A new podcast every week usually on Thursday. It's either going to be a ninety yes or a go plug yourselves. And on Fridays we have fine arts with either Sophie and Scott. And uh, you know maybe John will even uh, contribute one of his mega articles at some point too. You can only hope. All right, thanks. 9to5.cc. We're not working. Why should you? Thanks for listening.